This is the first time the president attended this dinner in six years. It's understandable. We had a horrible plague, followed by two years of COVID. <laughs> Good line. Horrible event. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle. Yes. To the right and the left, they are everywhere. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast that's heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Santa Barbara, 98.7. San Diego's 93.7 in Ridgecrest and China Lake. California on 99.5 FM. We also uh, are heard in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on... The Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all of your favorite podcast sites, except for Spotify, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, <clears throat> says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us again today for another thrilling edition of your friendly neighborhood broadcast. Hey, Desi Doyen, uh, did you hear that last guy on this station, on this show here? Why, yes, I did. Woo, Nelly. Well, I'll have maybe some words to say about that. Actually, <laughs> we will be talking. Uh, I haven't been able to open the phones to callers in recent weeks, so I had been hoping to make up for that today, if possible. Uh, If you're in our live listening area in Southern California or listening anywhere across the nation or the world via our live stream, etc., my number will be 818-985-5735. As I hope to uh, talk a little bit about the war in Ukraine, Joe Biden's handling of same and what it all may mean in the midterms as voting gets underway in earnest in a bunch of primary elections this month. Hoping to take your temperature today a little bit on all of the above. Um, Voting, in fact, is now underway for Tuesday's statewide primaries in Ohio and Indiana. As a month of primaries, like it or not, in a whole bunch of states, uh, kick off now that we are in May and early voting has already started in a bunch of those states. Ohio's election on Tuesday in particular is notable in that it will uh, help us at least begin to determine, well, it will determine the closely fought primary for the GOP candidate, 
uh, for the U.S. Senate in the Buckeye State, with a bunch of candidates fighting to be the Trumpiest of them all, though only one, the formerly anti-Trump but now wildly pro-Trump author, J.D. Vance, uh, received Trump's endorsement. But that race and others may help us and particularly the GOP to begin to determine just how much power as a kingmaker that Donald Trump still has over the party. So we'll be watching that uh, closely, as well as we will be watching to make sure who, that everyone who wishes to vote is able, in fact, to cast a vote and to have that vote counted as cast in a way that they can know that it was counted as cast. The uh, contests in Ohio for U.S. Congress will be run on gerrymandered maps found uh, four different times to be unlawful by the state Supreme Court in Ohio under the state constitution. The state's Republican Majority Redistricting Committee in Ohio has ignored those findings from the state Supreme Court four times. And so a federal court now has allowed the uh, old, already gerrymandered uh, maps for the U.S. House from the last 10 years to be used once again in 2022, despite being unlawful. Funny how that happens when you have a packed federal court. Uh, that, as the uh, commission in Ohio purposely ran out the clock to this end. Maybe in 2024 we'll have new maps. Maybe not. For 2022, however, the gerrymandering continues, even though the state court, the high court, which, by the way, has a Republican majority in Ohio, has said they can't use those maps. They're using them anyway. Primaries for state legislative races in Ohio, those will now come later this summer after maps created by the very same redistricting commi commission for state legislative districts were also found to have violated the state's constitution as gerrymanders. In Indiana, meanwhile, one of the major questions is whether its already far-right state legislature will become even more far-right as far-right state legislators face primary contests from the even farther right. We will discuss uh, that election and the results and a whole bunch of uh, stuff related to it all and, uh, and all of the contests this year. The ones that matter as the week and the month progresses. And maybe maybe I'll get to some uh, related stuff today. Some some more, yes, Republican voter fraud from fraudsters claiming that Democrats are committing voter fraud. Uh, well, anyway, that all depends on how much you all feel like ringing in on my phones today on a separate but related topic on which I hope to open the phones to your calls at 818-985-5735 if you want to line up. We have been focusing on the last couple of days on the broadcast on Russia's increasingly appalling, grotesque, unlawful war in Ukraine and how and if it can ever come to an end, short of a nuclear World War III in any event, along with uh, how... President Joe Biden has, to date anyway, been pretty deftly walking through a minefield, at least in my opinion, and in, in the opinion of uh, the majority of Americans, I'll get to that in a second, in both taking action to condemn Russia's aggression, helping the Ukrainians defend themselves, and holding the NATO alliance together as they all work together to try to adopt increasingly stringent sanctions against Russia, against Vladimir Putin, 
and his oligarchs. On that, there is a bit of news from over the weekend. You may have heard Speaker Nancy Pelosi uh, had a secret visit to Kiev on Saturday, demonstrating a remarkable show of U.S. support for the embattled Ukrainians, providing further proof that Washington policymakers are both bracing for a lengthy conflict and prepared to help furnish for the long haul. The surprise excursion over the weekend marked the first visit inside Ukraine by members of Congress since Russia launched its invasion more than two months ago now. It featured a long conversation between Pelosi and her delegation, which included six other prominent House Democrats and the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, about the status of the fight, the nature of Western assistance and the expectations of what is to come. Pelosi afterwards promised the U.S. support will endure, quote, until victory is won. Do not be bullied by bullies, she told reporters afterwards. If they are making threats, you cannot back down, she said. Well, in fact, Russia is doing more than making threats. But as the Hill notes, if the three-hour meeting substantiated the strong relations between the two small-D Democratic allies and the commitment of the U.S. to defend Ukraine from the imperial designs of Russian President Vladimir Putin, it also highlights the boundaries of Western involvement. While the uh, U.S. has already approved more than $13 billion in military, humanitarian and economic support for Ukraine since the February 24 invasion, and the Biden administration last week requested $33 billion more, which Congress appears ready to approve, the U.S. and its NATO allies have also refused to confront Russian forces head on for fear, I would say smart fear, of escalating the fight with the volatile Putin who controls the world's largest nuclear arsenal. Now, to me at least, at least for now, this is the right strategy to take in general. You may feel different. If so, I would love to hear from you as to why at 818-985-5735. I mentioned the uh, the guy who was on the air here before me at KPFK uh, who was making exactly that case. Unfortunately, he doesn't seem to make the case while he's passing on Kremlin propaganda to our listeners that he was actually paid working for Russian state-run media. It is one thing to have the opinion that Ukraine is a whole bunch of Nazis and that Russia is right to kill tens of thousands of them for some reason in their own sovereign country, an opinion that I completely disagree with. It's one thing, however, to make that uh, case. It's another thing to not be transparent with your listeners that you made your living for years by working for directly for state-run uh, Russian media. Why that's allowed on our airwaves? I don't know. Any idea, Desi Doyen? Well, I would say that there is definitely a push in some areas to uh, allow as many voices as possible uh -huh. on the public airwaves. Yeah. And and I do support that notion, that okay. ideal of, 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 of the wide variety of voices. But I do expect that those voices must have facts behind them. Uh, you can have your opinion, but, you know, you can't make up your own facts. That's, well, that's not, I think allowable. Well, personally, I, that's where I would draw the line. Well, listen, uh, you know, some people believe certain facts are true. Others believe that those facts are not true. 
Uh, it's one thing to make a case for all sides, which, by the way, is why we try to open the uh, open the airwaves uh, to, to your phone calls. 818-985-KPFK. Yeah, but I want uh, to people. Wanna... Let me just okay. say to, to people who disagree with me, I am fine with that. But it's a matter of transparency. And when you are literally working for a Kremlin funded site now, you know, for years, by the way, uh, a Kremlin funded media outlet by the name of Sputnik used to carry the broadcast and they licensed the show from me. They ran it. That was fine. I owned the show. They had no say over what I you know, what I said, what I did. They weren't allowed to edit my program. Um, they can run it if they want. And every day while we were on their air, apparently they got tired of what I had to say. But uh, after, you know, several years, they stopped carrying us fine. But every day that we were on their air, I said as much at the top of the show. I was transparent, much as you just heard me rattle through the list of all of the other uh, stations that were on, terrestrial stations, Internet stations, etc. I believe in transparency. I also believe in the truth. And uh, you can't uh, be expected to understand what the truth is unless you can make a judgment about who is telling you what and what their backgrounds are, et cetera, et cetera. So all I'm saying is just be honest. And, uh, you know, in the middle of a war on a station uh, among progressives who claim to be anti-war, I claim to be anti-war, I am anti-war, I am against the United States. When they attack a sovereign country, I'm also against Russia. When they attack a sovereign country. Pretty consistent. I think it's an easy one. Anyway, I digress. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. Uh, back to The Hill here, who notes that the hands-off approach, as The Hill characterizes it, of the U.S., illustrating the limitations of Western military might in the age of nuclear arms, has persisted even as more and more atrocities conducted by Russian forces have, in fact, come to light, including the purposeful targeting of civilians. I'm against it. I know. That might be uh, controversial these days, but I'm against the purposeful targeting of civilians. I would also add, uh, you know, this as some on the uh, on the left, as we discussed last week, like uh, liberal icon Noam Chomsky, appear to decry the U.S. approach of sending arms to to Ukraine to defend itself against a uh, sovereign uh, to, to defend itself, a sovereign nation against Russian aggression. Chomsky called uh, what the U.S. is doing warmongering, demanding a harder push for diplomatic solutions by the U.S. More on that in a moment. Zelensky on Sunday was diplomatic in his meeting with Pelosi and the Democrats. You're all very welcome, he said in a brief video posted by his office on Twitter. But he's also been forceful in expressing his frustrations with the U.S. and other NATO countries for what he considers an insufficient response to Putin's aggression. His calls for the West to help secure a no-fly zone, for example, over Ukraine have been rebuffed by Joe Biden and by the rest of NATO uh, as just too risky, it would likely put both U.S. and NATO jets in direct conflict with Russia that could, in fact, light up World War III. I think he's playing this correctly. Biden is. 
On Friday's broadcast, I spoke with uh, international relations professor Nicholas Grossman of the University of Illinois after he wrote a column responding to Chomsky's critique of the U.S. and NATO in this matter. Grossman essentially argues that this is Ukraine's war, not the U.S.'s war. They are the ones taking the heavy losses, extremely heavy losses, in fact, at the hands of Russia, and that it should be up to them, not up to the U.S., not up to NATO, as to when and what they wish to negotiate away to get a peaceful settlement. Grossman argued that, in fact, at this point in the conflict, arming the Ukrainians actually is the best way to get a peaceful settlement, particularly after Russia has already rebuffed a number of concessions that were offered early on in the war by Ukraine during peace talks. Here's just a small piece of that conversation from Friday's broadcast with Professor Grossman uh, explaining how, in fact, war, the actual military fighting, at least for now, actually is a form of negotiation between the two directly related parties. The actions on the ground are, in effect, a negotiation. Think of it kind of like as a bargaining process. You have these two sides, so Russia and Ukraine, Mm -hmm. and Russia wants something, and Ukraine really doesn't want to give it, and Russia's willing to kill to try to get it, and Ukraine is willing to kill to try to not give it. Mm. As long as that's the case, then the two of them don't actually know what they can force the other one to accept. And so the war itself, the actual fighting, is to some extent a negotiating process. It is the fighting on the ground that is pushing both sides, in this case Russia and Ukraine, to figure out what exactly they can force the other one to accept. Mm -hmm. The peace is going to look like many possible different things. One option is a peace where Ukraine is independent. Another option is where Ukraine is subjugated by Russia. And the problem with that is the Ukrainians don't want to, and there's nothing that America can do to make them do it. As long as Russia and Ukraine want to fight, they're going to fight, and the United States can't stop that. So our choice is leave the Ukrainians on their own or help them as they try to fight for independence. And, of course, I think we ought to try to help them as they try to fight for independence. Now, as noted on that program, I believe that Joe Biden is actually doing a masterful job, so far anyway. Uh, not perfect, but, uh, of you know, it's as I said, it's a minefield of supporting democracy and supporting Ukraine, holding together and really leading the Western alliance and the rest of the democratic world, holding them all together to oppose Putin's horrific empirical invasion of its sovereign neighbor nation. I've also noted over the last several months that while the U.S. and NATO arguably made a a number of missteps over the years following the fall of the Soviet Union, nothing, nothing justifies Russia's grotesque all-out assault on the Ukrainian people. That, while I have been sympathetic, in fact was sympathetic to Russia's concerns about the expansion of NATO... Uh, eastward towards Russia's borders in recent years. But the moment they invaded and attacked not just Ukraine, but its civilian population, well, frankly, that sympathy went out the window. Nothing justifies this assault any more than anything justified the U.S. assault on, say, Iraq back in uh, 2003. Remember when anti-war folks, including myself, We're actually against aggressors violating, invading sovereign nations. 
I, you know, if you consider yourself to be anti-war, as I do, and if you opposed the U.S.'s appalling imperial attack on Iraq, as I did, then you are, frankly, a hypocrite if you do not speak out equally loudly against Russia's imperialist assault on Ukraine. Either that or you got something to hide. You're not being straight with your listeners. Because I've heard some on the left, yes, here on our flagship station in L.A., in fact, suggest otherwise, suggest that the U.S. is somehow to blame for Russia attacking Ukraine, which is nothing more than out-and-out out Kremlin talking points, Russian disinformation and propaganda. I believe it has no place on our airwaves, but, you know, hey, freedom of speech, just be honest about it. Maybe you may see it differently. I'd love to hear from you, if so, as to why. 818-985-5735. Of course, with the mainstream, with the mainstream, with the midterm election season uh, now upon us, uh, these matters are going to likely play a, uh, a role in the outcome of the elections this November. And Republicans attempting to win back majorities in both the U.S. House and the Senate. Normally, a president's handling of such matters of such great import during a time of war would have a huge effect on the outcome of those elections. But new polling out today includes continually puzzling responses, as I see it, from the U.S. electorate. Uh, apparently, and if I have time, I'll go through some of these numbers, but, you know, in all, 73% say the U.S. is doing either the right thing or they're actually uh, should do more to support Ukraine. But for the most part, America, Americans b have support everything that Joe Biden is actually doing. They support his actions in this uh, new polling from Washington Post, ABC News. And yet... While these huge numbers, 73, 72 percent, uh, you know, oppose the U.S. taking military action directly against Russian forces, as Joe Biden has vowed not to. They support uh, Joe Biden in that. They support uh, Joe Biden in the concessions. And yet not in the concessions, uh, in, in uh, the sanctions against Russia. And yet when you ask them, do you support Joe Biden's actions? What's his approval rating when it comes to Russia, Ukraine? Well, only a minority of Americans support it. How do you explain that? How do you explain that? So we're in favor of everything that Joe Biden is doing when it comes to Russia. And yet we oppose what Joe Biden is doing when it comes to Russia. Go figure. Maybe you can explain it to me. 818-985-5735. Uh, a lot of you are lining up here. I want to uh, get to as many of you as I can. So I'm going to take a quick break here. We will come back and take your calls, hopefully, for the rest of the hour. 818-985-KPFK. It's OK if you do not agree with me. As a matter of fact, some of you folks will be pushed to the top of the line. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to The Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At The Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. 
Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Views on Ukraine remain remarkably stable across party lines, according to ABC News Washington Post polling released today, including among Americans who voted for opposing candidates in 2020, making Ukraine a uh, an area of rare bipartisan agreement, according to the Post. One uh, of those who, who voted for Joe Biden, 64%. Support more military aid for Ukraine, as do a majority uh, who voted for Donald Trump, 52 percent. And 83 percent of Americans who voted for Joe Biden support more humanitarian aid for Ukraine. 67 percent of Americans who voted for Trump do the same, except, oddly enough, just 42 percent of Americans approve of Biden's handling of the situation between Russia and Ukraine. That doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't. But there it is. Maybe callers can explain it to me. 818-985-5735. Maybe callers can explain to me why anyone would be supportive of what Russia is doing to its sovereign neighbor, particularly when they call themselves an anti-war advocate, as I do. Let's go to Kyle in Costa Mesa. Hey, Kyle, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad. Thank you very much for your time. Um... I appreciate a lot of what you're saying today, and I do disagree with a lot of what the previous person says, but I do think that, um, you know, sanctions in general and sending military aid are acts of aggression, and if we are going to say that we are anti-war, we should also call that out. Um, I also just want to think it's fair to talk about the fact that while Russia is an imperialist nation, the U.S. is also an imperialist nation, and it's important to look at this conflict not just as Russia as the aggressor, but mm-hmm. a conflict between the two largest imperialist powers. Well, let's be, let's be fair there, uh, Kyle. I did say that uh, I was against U.S. when it launched imperial wars against sovereign nations, and I am similarly against Russia as an imperial nation attacking a sovereign nation as well. Why is that inconsistent? I'm not saying that your that opinion is inconsistent. What I uh-huh. think, what I what I find inconsistent is the support of military aid to Ukraine. Uh, so the alternative, Kyle, you're suggesting, and, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm actually trying to figure this out. Uh, so you're suggesting we should just leave Ukraine be, let Russia kill tens of thousands, if not millions, of them, subjugate the country, uh, bring it in as part of Russia, and just say, well, too bad. That uh, hate that that happened, but there's nothing that we can do because that would be warmongering or no, something. I, I don't think that that's that's the case. I think you know you talk about the delegation that went to Ukraine mm-hmm. and conversations coming between Zelensky and uh, our press or whatever all the neoliberal shills is um, was mostly about how we can aid Ukraine and not how we can promote diplomatic solutions between the two countries, which I find kind of sad. Which you find kind of sad. Is that what he said? All right. Uh, thanks for that. Yeah, I mean, oh, and, and it's the same thing in the mainstream media. We, mm-hmm. we hear no conversation about what are the what are the issues that we can bring to the table for a diplomatic solution. Well, we do talk a lot about that. We talk a lot, a great deal about that on this show, which is why I played uh, Nicholas Grossman talking about the fact that. Uh, okay, I understand. No, I, I. that's why we have my show, because there is not enough of that conversation in the mainstream media. But I think Nicholas Grossman made a good point in response to Noam Chomsky when he said that at this point, you know, uh, 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 Ukraine has already made concessions. Russia has refused 
to to uh, make any concessions of its own. All they've done is continue to attack Ukraine. So what do you do at that point? You can bang your fist on the table and say Ukraine must have talks with Russia and Russia must have talks with uh, Ukraine. But if they are not willing to do it, if Ukraine is trying to save the lives of its own people, why shouldn't we support that? I mean, they are being attacked by a, uh, you know, a, a tyrannical authoritarian nation. Well, that may be the case. I mean, I, I don't like it I'm is the case. It is because it is the case. I, mean, Kyle. I don't think I don't think the U.S. has a moral leg to stand on in that kind of sense, though. OK. And, and let me be fair. You can criticize uh, the U.S. for if you want to call them an authoritarian nation or an empire or anything else. I won't stop you. You want to make your case on that? Fine. But how bad the U.S. may or may not be does not make Russia any better. Does that make sense? I agree with that, but okay. it also doesn't mean that my tax dollars need to go to fighting that war. I got gotcha. you. I hear you. And, and you can argue against it all you like. All I ask is that we're all honest about it. Thanks, Kyle. I do appreciate the call, my friend. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to Christopher in Los Angeles. Hey, Christopher, welcome to the broadcast. How are you? Uh, so two comments. Uh... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Christopher, are you there? So many people. Christopher, uh, start over. Do me a favor. Start over. Christopher, Christopher, start yeah, start, start over because I, I can hear you. But your uh, your phone dropped out there for a second, so I just wanted you to make your point. Go ahead, start over. Sure, no problem. So uh, the reason why a lot of people say they support arms for Ukraine, but that Biden is not getting credit for it, is because Fox News is basically feeding the pro-Putin movement and people, and so their viewers then are more sympathetic to um, to uh, Russia. Mm-hmm. One. Yeah. Uh, OK, two. OK, two. And that's and by the way, hang, hang on, Christopher, let me just respond to that one point to say that, by the way, is what I fear when I hear folks on the left offering similar talking points, exact talking points to the ones that I hear on Fox News from the yeah, Kremlin agreed. propaganda. line. OK, go ahead. Uh, agreed, agreed. Good. Now, we keep uh, you keep using the term horrific situation yep. in Ukraine, yep. which it is, yep. and I am totally against it. I, Good. you know, I marched against the Iraq War, against El Salvador intervention, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Totally against it. It's a, it's a crime. But we, we keep harping on that Russia is doing what? They're killing civilians in large numbers. Yep. And they're committing war crimes. Yep. Okay. And guess what? That sounds all eerily familiar to me, because I marched against the Iraq invasion mm-hmm. and after, okay, and we ended up killing hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of, of Iraqis in that war, yep. and we committed war crimes. Correct. War. Correct. Okay. And, and, and our leaders... Well, Christopher, I was going to say, yeah, and our leaders who did that should be held accountable. I called for war uh, uh, crimes uh, uh, charges to be brought four years against, you know, George W. Bush, against Dick Cheney. I called for them against Barack Obama when he targeted American citizens. uh, With drones overseas there, you, you, you don't have to make up lies in order to be consistent on these things. No, and you have been. You have been, Brad, and I applaud you for that. 
But all I'm saying is that here we're pointing fingers, self-righteous fingers, at the Russians, and, and rightly so, understand, mm-hmm. rightly so. Mm-hmm. But, but we were guilty of far worse, and believe me, I've been calling, you know, all of them, uh, uh, Rumsfeld and Bush, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're painting pictures of puppies, and, you know, uh, uh, Condoleezza Rice is, you know, on the board for college to decide who goes to the college playoffs. So they've whitewashed that to the point where even Dick Cheney and his daughter are looking better in, in, in Americans' eyes. Well, and, and I, listen, I hear you, Christopher. My point is, and if you want to you know, get together, start working on a way to bring a war crimes charges against the people who uh, uh, carried out war crimes in our name, in the U.S. name, I'm all with you. There's no problem there. The problem I have is that right now, this moment, we are in a very hot... Uh, we lost Christopher. We are in a very hot shooting war right now at this moment with Russia attacking Ukraine and killing people by the tens of thousands, killing civilians by the tens of thousands, horrifically. And right now, right now, we got to do something about that. And spending time talking about how bad the U.S. may be on this or that, even if I agree with it, does not get Russia off the hook for what they are doing, which is appalling, and they need to be held accountable, and they need to stop. And people in this country who lie about that to allow that to happen, to make it easier for Russia to carry out those war crimes, well, I'm sorry, those folks need to be called out as well. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. Let me go to, uh, do I have to, I'll take one more call before break here, Des. Uh, Let me go to, uh, I think that was CS in uh, Los Angeles. Hey, CS, welcome to the broadcast. Hello. Hello, CS. Can you hear me? Yeah, do you hear me? I hear you. Go ahead. What you got for me? I got to get to a break shortly. Yes, dear. Um, you could call out another host on KPFK without going or post precise points. W- without doing what? Um, in the beginning of the show, you did call out yes. the other host. Yes. And you blackmailed him. And you did not respond to any point he said. So I'm very disgusted about that. Okay. Well, I, I don't. You did you say did you say that CS CS CS? Let's have a conversation. Did you say that I blackmailed the other host? Yeah, you said oh he works for Sputnik and he's lying to you. You did not make a point, and I I don't like that about KPFK. Okay. This goes in the wrong direction. All right. Thank you, CS. That's that's not blackmail. That's just transparency. That's actually just telling the truth, which is what we try to do on this show. 818-985-KPFK. And you you don't have to like it. I'm not saying anybody here has to like it. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Thank you for reminding me. I do have to get to a break. Let's take a break, and we'll get back to many more of your calls. Hang on the line if you're there. going to try to get to as many folks as I can. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is The Bradcast. <laughs> You're listening to the Bradcast. We are 100% listener supported, thanks to listeners like you who drop by bradblog.com slash donate. Welcome back. 
It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com taking your calls. Uh, well, on the Russia-Ukraine continuing war, not a situation. It's not a military situation, as you may hear some, even on this uh, whatever uh, radio station you are listening to, you may hear them describe it as a situation in Ukraine. It is a war. It is a hot war. It is a deadly war, and it needs to stop. And, uh, yeah, I have no problem calling out Russia for their aggression against their uh, sovereign neighbor, Ukraine. Uh, Desi, by the way, tells me over the uh, break here that uh, some calls are dropping not our fault. If you listen to the show in recent weeks, uh, I've had various problems with the phone. They changed the phone system here at the station. So hang in there if you can. Uh, if you do get dropped, it's not on purpose. Call back. We'll try to get to as many folks as we can. Let me go to Mike in L.A., who I think has already called back three or four times. Thanks for that, Mike, and welcome uh, to the no program. No problem. By the way, just for the record, blackmail is when you withhold information. <laughs> right. And threaten someone that you'll reveal it if they don't pay you. Correct. It's sort of the opposite of what you're being accused of. Correct. And as far as the situation in Ukraine, uh, by the way, the previous uh, host on the radio station, I was listening to him with an open mind uh -huh. up until the point where I heard him start to gaslight me, claiming things that were only one year old, which I knew were false, and that's mm -hmm. when I turned off the radio and went mm -hmm. elsewhere for yeah. my entertainment. I'm sorry about but that. in any event, yeah. that's me. And uh, what I really wanted to call about was Putin, and I would like to ask any of these people who's recommending a negotiated settlement how much you can trust the word of Vladimir Putin given history. Mm. Has he ever kept his word about anything? Well, the question is, I mean, when they negotiate a settlement, there are meant to be certain guarantees in place that you don't, for example, drop the sanctions until uh, X, Y, Z happens and a promise to restore those sanctions if A, B, C happens. So, no, I don't think anybody trusts him. I don't think anybody should trust him. I have, you know, concerns that we're getting to the point where there is no way out for Vladimir Putin. There is no exit ramp. We may talk about that with an expert later this week. Uh, there's no way out. For, for, for Putin, and there's no way out for Zelensky. They both decided to go to the mat to save their country. Uh, in this case, only one of those two countries is actually under attack, however. so That's true. Yeah. And yeah. my concern is that uh, anything in the nature of a ceasefire will only be an opportunity for Putin to rearm. Mm, maybe so, but maybe. we can't we can't get to peace unless we take those first baby steps. Uh, and there's a lot of people who could be right now evacuated who are being uh, just you know living under unspeakable conditions for weeks, sure. for months now, without you know power, food, water, medicine. We got to do something. And uh, telling the truth about what's going on hopefully gets us closer. Lying about what's going on does not get us closer, Mike. Absolutely true. Putin right. is like the lion in the Roman Colosseum who has convinced himself he must be a Christian because he's eaten so many of them. <laughs> Thank you for that call, Mike. I appreciate it. 818-985-5735. Let's go to, oh, here we go. Let me, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get, by the way, not a lot of women calling other than CS there. If there's uh, more women calling, I'll try to put you at the head of the line. Otherwise, I'm trying to put people who disagree with me. Uh, where I can um, uh, uh, on the air here. Uh, James in Los Angeles is one of them, I think. Hey, James, welcome to the broadcast. 
Hey, Brad, thank you for taking my call. Sure. I find it, though, disheartening on your position that you say you're anti-war when you're not mentioning that the U.S. did the regime change on Ukraine, a democratic elected government, in 2014 on Ukraine. Nor are you mentioning that while this crisis and demonizing Russia as the boogeyman, um, the U.S. didn't keep their immense agreements contract that they said they would not expand NATO around Russian borders. And the third point is mm -hmm. why we're just why people are deceived on this Ukraine-Russian scenario, the U.S. just did the regime change on the democratic elected government of Pakistan. Okay. So how could you say you're against, you're against this when the U.S. is fueling all this crazy chaos in the world? Okay, well, let me, let me respond to a few of those, and, and you may have to relist them because you ran through a bunch of them there. But uh, one, you have presumed that the U.S. was responsible for the regime change in 2014 when, in fact, a popular uprising overthrew a, a Kremlin-supported uh, president. Yes, the U.S. did support that action. That does not mean they made that happen, uh, but they did support it. So to say that U.S. made regime change happen in Ukraine in 2014 is not necessarily ac uh, accurate. It's a point worth discussing, and I'm happy to do that which I'm doing. Uh, there was a couple of, what was the other two points? Remind me, James. The other, the other viewpoint is, one, the U.S. didn't keep their word on the Minsk agreement that they would not expand NATO around Russian borders, which they're okay. totally violating. That, that was, uh, hang on, hang on, let me do one at a time, one at a time, James. Uh, actually, uh, I'm not sure that's the, uh, uh, the the Minsk agreements. I think the Minsk agreements had to do with the uh, Donbass region and uh, tr trying to find some autonomy in the eastern part of Ukraine for uh, for the various regions in the east that, uh, in fact, Ukraine had agreed to and could never actually work out. I think that's the Minsk agreements. I think what you're talking about, however, is a promise that was said to have been made after the fall of the Soviet Union uh, b between Boris Yeltsin and uh, Bill Clinton, where I think right. Clinton said that he would uh, not ex agree to expand NATO up to the borders of Russia. It was never written. It's unclear exactly what he did or didn't say. And by the way, uh, NATO, by and large, has not gone up to the border of Russia until now, until Russia's actions. And now, for example, Finland and Sweden have decided they want to join NATO. Uh, uh, Ukraine wanted to join NATO, but NATO would not have them. What was the third point, the James? US, the U.S. promised that they would allow them to be a part of the EU, allow them to become yeah. NATO. But why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't? Why, why? Why? Hang on. Why shouldn't Ukraine uh, be a part of EU if Ukraine wants to be a part of EU? Why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't they be able to determine who they wish to ally with and who they don't? What's wrong with no, that? I I understand that position, but the U.S. promised them that and now been denying them, and they're not letting them come out. Even Biden said that they're not letting them come out. Even a NATO representative no, let them come out. Now, NATO, you know, you, you mentioned two separate things there, James. First, you, you, you said EU, that they wanted to be a member of the EU. And I said, what's wrong with that? Why shouldn't they be a member of the EU if they wish to? Okay, I understand that. And okay. the reason why is because they have been declared one of the most corrupt countries. That's why give something to the big guy. That's why Hunter Biden and, and his representatives was, oh, he was funding some of those. I'm just saying, I'm not going off, but I'm just saying. <laughs> he, he funded a few labs. And the third point is... Uh -huh. Wait, hey, now, just, just to be clear, 
uh, you know, all of that corruption you're talking about was when the uh, the Kremlin backed president was allowing all of that corruption you're talking about in the Ukraine and that Zelensky has since been trying to do away with that corruption. That corruption was there and sponsored by Russia. You didn't mention that, James. Why not? It's sponsored by all the um Ukrainian representatives. If you go look at the um, Oliver Stone did the Ukraine on fire, you will hear it directly from the previous mm-hmm. investigators involved, including the um, prosecutor that Biden said that you will not get the billion dollars unless you fire the prosecutor that's investigating my son. And the no, actually, he is, didn't. No, 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 James, you can't just make up stuff like that and expect to get away with this. Maybe. Hang on, James. Maybe on other shows you can do that. But no, he didn't come. Out, hang on, James. He didn't come out and say, you you must uh, fire the investigator that investigated my son. He did say what you were talking about in, in with the support of the U.N., with the support of the EU, with the support of Barack Obama. He said you have to get rid of the corrupt prosecutor who, by the way, years ago had decided to not investigate Hunter Biden. Joe Biden was and he said it on tape. So this was not a secret. He said it out loud. He said, you got to get rid of the prosecutor who isn't investigating my son. He didn't talk about his son, but that was the case with that particular prosecutor. James, have you been misinformed about that? No, I, I agree to disagree with your point perspective of it. And the third point is... Look up like the videotape. Look up the videotape. It's on videotape. You got Biden saying it. All right, go ahead. The videotape is, if you like I said, if you go look at the Ukraine on fire done by Oliver Stone, uh-huh. talks directly to the prosecutors, the ex, the ex- I know president. the corrupt ones who Joe Biden was calling to fire. Okay, okay, thanks, James. Oh man, he hung up. What? Eight one eight nine eight five KPFK. What are you gonna do? Uh, you know, facts matter. Facts. Facts really matter. I know there's a lot of propaganda out there. I know that the Russian propaganda is very, very effective and convincing. They spend millions, hundreds of millions, perhaps billions of dollars on their propaganda, on their talking point. It talking points. It doesn't mean we have to repeat them on our airwaves. John in Los Angeles, also not a woman. John, uh, welcome to the broadcast, John. Hi, this is John. Um, I'd like to say something about the Ukraine war from the perspective of someone who's an American who's married to an Eastern European whose country was had been invaded by and still occupied by Russia. Mm-hmm. And this is something that all the geopoliticians just can't um, fit into their into their calculus is the way Eastern European people feel about Russia. Like what Americans think about Russia is really kind of insignificant, kind of irrelevant compared to the way that the people who suffer uh, Russian uh, aggression and imperialism mm-hmm. have, have had to deal with Russia for the last 300 years. Yeah. Now, I come from, I'm a, I'm a, a priest in the Orthodox Church of, in America, mm-hmm. and um, that, the, the OCA is kind of Russophilic, but, but it's, it's an independent um, organization. It's not connected to the Russian Church mm-hmm. um, for the last 50 years. Um, but I myself am not a Russophile. I never have been. I don't speak Russian. It's mm-hmm. not required that I do. Um, I've always had great respect for Russian culture. Mm-hmm. But um, also, the other cultures that are not Russian, 
deserve respect. And the, the thing is that the, the uh, autonomy and sovereignty of these other countries has been violated in a way that is much worse, I'd have to say, um, as an American, though, you know, mm-hmm. um, much worse than the way that we've violated the sovereignty of other countries. Well, I'm not going to say, and John, I got a lot of folks that I want to get to. I really appreciate the call. I'm not going to say that it is uh, worse or better. Uh, I think there's good arguments to be made on both sides. My point is it's got to stop. My other point is it ain't going to stop if we all continue lying about it. So, John, yeah, yeah, of course. I, I appreciate the call and and the fact that but you're not. not but, yeah. fits, but the thing is, it fits the pattern of Russian imperialism yeah. that goes back to Peter the Great. Yeah, yeah. And that is much older than American imperialism, and it's much more vicious. Okay. And if you ask any European, they will tell you. Mm-hmm. I got gotcha. you. No. I, I, I hear you. No, I hear you, John. I appreciate that, and I'm I'm glad you uh, got it onto our airwaves. And my best to your uh, to your wife and uh, her family that are uh, are from Ukraine. Let me go to uh, Amir in Woodland Hills. Hey, Amir, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, Amir, we lost Amir. Darn it! All right. He looked like he really disagreed with me, and I was looking forward to that. Uh, oh, a woman is calling in, Jenny in Laguna Niguel. Hey, Jenny, welcome to the broadcast. Hi. Hi. Um, I just wanted to make a comment about the disconnect between the uh, the polling as far as like why people disagree mm-hmm. or approve of Biden. I and I think I I am in favor of the sanctions. I'm in favor of supporting them. I just think it's the feeling of frustration that. I that even with all this money we spend on the military, we can't do anything other than this. Like that's that's all we can do. Mm. Like it's it, well, fear of I, nuclear war. Like uh, when do we when when do we when do we step in? Uh, listen, I I I think when do we when do we step in? When do who step in? When does the U.S. When step do in? We, yes. Why why not? Like why uh, when do we when do we what what's the line that he has to cross for us to say okay we have to get in there and help or well if we get in there happen? if we get in there and and help jenny that becomes a live shooting war not just between uh you know ukraine us and russia but that becomes a live shooting war between every nato nation because when you attack when there's a, a an attack against one nato nation is it an attack against everyone so that is world yeah. war 3 with a whole bunch of well with several nuclear armed countries including russia and the us i wouldn't be we'll just never do anything against russia we'll always we will with the fear of nuclear war we basically will just let him do whatever he wants and keep going. I, I think that's uh, a fair criticism. And let me play you uh, a clip here. This is also from uh, my conversation on Friday with uh, Nicholas Grossman, uh, the uh, 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 international uh, uh, specialist. International relations, relations expert. Thank you, expert from uh, University okay. of Illinois. I asked uh, Nicholas about the fact that, you know, it seems to me that we're seeing play out in, in Ukraine. What we're seeing there is sadly reveals once again, yeah, nuclear weapons actually work for those nations who have them. It actually works mm-hmm. as a, as a de- deterrent. Here, here, here's the conversation. Doesn't this conflict really unfortunately, once again, prove that, yes, uh, as much as I hate to say it, nuclear weapons work, that 
you know, any country that has them is likely to be able to ultimately hold off any and all aggressors. I mean, is there any question that NATO would probably already be directly in this conflict if Russia did not have nuclear weapons as their uh, as their ace in the hole here? Probably, yes. I just want to caution you on the if anybody gets it. But in general, yeah, nuclear deterrence works really well. Russia has, at least thus far, and I uh, think there's a good chance of will in the future, um, respected the NATO line. So there are weapons going into Ukraine from NATO countries, and Russia has bombed those weapons shipments or staging areas mm-hmm. in places in Ukraine that are close to the border of Poland mm-hmm. or close to the border of Romania, but they don't go over because those countries are in NATO. And much as we're afraid of World War III, Russia's actions show that mm-hmm. they are also afraid of World War III. Excellent. And so nuclear weapons yeah. are in that way stabilizing. So in that way, nuclear weapons are stabilizing. It does keep us out of war. And I'm just fine with that, Jenny. I, I mean, I I do not think it's uh, wise to uh, to kick the bear, so to speak, to poke the bear yeah. and take the chance that they may use nuclear weapons. Well, 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 don't be so disappointed that we're not going to use nuclear weapons. That ought to be a good thing. All right. Uh, a bunch of you want to get in. Uh, try to keep your uh, comments here as absolutely short as possible. I'll try to get to as many people as I possibly can. Muna in San Diego, welcome to the broadcast. Um, hi. So the point I wanted to make is that Ukraine did have a lot of corruption. Mm-hmm. They were in the process. They had passed legislation. Mm-hmm to make their government more transparent. Mm -hmm. Specifically, they passed legislation that required them to upload all of their government contracts Mm -hmm. to an online database that was accessible to the public. Mm -hmm. And they were in the process of doing that because they wanted to have better trade relations with Europe and possibly join the EU, and the EU was telling them, you're too corrupt, Abs. we don't want you. Uh, yeah. And so they were making steps to be less corrupt. Yep. My feeling is that probably some of that corruption had ties to Russia, mm-hmm. and Russia was so afraid of the the move towards transparency that they chose to attack at a time that stri- militarily, strategically, was not a good time. You, I mean, had they waited till winter, it would have it would have been advantageous for Russia. Well, I don't I don't think it's any any time is a good time to attack a sovereign neighbor, Muna. But I do. No, att- I'm not saying no. I am not saying that I agree. I yeah. think Russia is a deplorable state. No, no, I, I understand, and I'm only, cut, I'm only cutting you short because I'm saying I, I understand we can uh, bicker about, you know, their tactical mistakes and so forth, but I was, you know, sort of focusing on the larger picture, which I think you hit head-on, Muna, in your comments. Yes, re- Ukraine was working to reform their corruption. Russia did not like that, and when you hear people saying that uh, Russia had to attack Ukraine because they're corrupt, those are people who are getting Kremlin talking points. Muna, I, I really oh, no, I'm not I'm not I'm not defending the attack. No, no, I know I'm you're not. Russia was yeah. was the reason they attacked when they attacked yeah. is because they were about to be exposed. I hear you. All and, right. I hear you. I hear you, Muna, and I got to run forward. And I appreciate and I agree with with everything that you're saying here. But I want to get in another call or two before I uh, run into the clock hard here. Dan in Huntington Beach, you've been holding for a while. My apologies for that. Welcome to the broadcast. And now I give you 30 seconds. Go. Oh, Dan. Oh, well, we lost Dan. Uh, Let me. Oh, shoot. Let me go to. Uh, Julian.
Julian. Julian in Los Angeles. Hey, Julian, are you there? Hi, Brad. Um, this is a this is a proxy war between uh, the stock market, Wall Street, and the Russians. The Russians didn't do shock and awe like the Americans did. The Russians lined up like ducks, and then once Biden got them all the money. They were able to uh, get all that uh, armament in there and blow up their tanks. And then the Russians got pissed off. And now it's a war. Okay, thanks. Uh, uh, Julian? Julian? Yes. Uh, you're yes. saying this is a, that, that Biden gave them a whole bunch of money that pissed off Russia and so they started a war? They have, they have mercenaries. There's uh, Prince, Eric Prince. Yeah. And all these guys got their money, yeah. and they went in there, and they, they pumped up that war. Yeah. And it's, it's the stock market. It's the New York, okay. uh, New York boys with all the money all right. against, all right. against the third world. No, no, no actual real evidence of that that I'm aware of, Julian, right, but I right. do appreciate Absolutely. your call. Absolutely. All right. I got I to get out because it's the end of the hour. Julian, we'll, we'll try it again uh, next week. I, I promise. Uh, do I have one more? Because Don has been holding for a really long time now. Don, 30 seconds. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to be said about this, uh, Brad, but, you know, I think it comes down to this is actually an ideological battle between the Western freedom and democracy versus Russian autocracy. Yep. It's a very dangerous situation because if we have this two next two elections could shift the entire direction of the world toward autocracy and imprudently sitting on smiling like a Cheshire cat. Yep. That's uh, how dangerous this is. That is how dangerous it is. That's why it matters that we tell the truth over our public airwaves. We will certainly do it on my program. Thanks, Don, for that call. Uh, I hope that everyone on this station or any other that you may be listening to uh, does exactly that. i got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Gary Baca, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. We try to keep that free to the whole world as long as we possibly can. You can drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. Thanks to all the callers who called in today. Apologies to those who I couldn't get to. We'll try it again soon. Uh, you can find me on the Facebooks and Twitters. Until we meet again, hopefully tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.